last Sunday morning, not long before the service began, Claire observed to me that the places that we were going to be talking about and representing in our living nativity pageant, Nazareth, Bethlehem, the region known as the Holy Land, they are that same place that, as you are all too aware, is racked with suffering and violence and death in these days. And I wonder, did any of you think about that as we were just singing, O little town of Bethlehem, yet you're nodding, how still we see thee lie. You know this, but I'm going to say it out loud. That war that Hamas started with their brutal attacks that then escalated with Israel's brutal response that shows no sign of ending. And it's civilians, many of them children, who are bearing the brunt of the violence and being displaced and injured and killed, forced out of their homes facing a lack of food and medical care. You know this. You know that there is a serious discrepancy between the aspirations of Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill to all, as the angels sing, as the carols say, and between what's, what we sing about and what we hope for and what's actually happening here on earth, on this pale blue dot, as Carl Sagan described us. You know that ours is a violent world, that how much we might sing about peace and how many poems we might share and appreciate about love and goodness and how often we lift up our prayers for healing and for reconciliation. We humans are a quarrelsome lot, right? Under pressure, we are so quick to revert to our tribal impulses. If you want to create a whole generation of terrorists, it's simple. Take their land, kill and maim their children, ignore your own principles of justice. We could argue about who started that war, who's to blame for Middle East violence. And you know, plenty of people, particularly not there, but who have the luxury in other parts of the world, plenty of people are doing that right now. Is it helping? I don't think so. Sometimes these arguments are escalating to the point that some angry person inflamed by this then takes vengeance on others that they perceive as the enemy. Perceiving someone to be Jewish or Palestinian, whether they are or not. On one of the nights of Hanukkah, I attended the menorah lighting just up Main Street at Temple Emmanuel. Out on their porch, gathered on that chilly December night, there were more Haverhill police officers there than those of us in attendance. 
And we were grateful for their presence. And we had a blessedly quiet gathering there. But the, pleasant, the presence of those police officers was a sobering reminder of the world we live in these days. And I'm sorry. I know this is probably not what you're looking for on Christmas Eve. But stay with me, because I won't stay here, okay? Not long after that war started, Maria Popova wrote an essay about our human problem. She said, it says something about our species that we have eradicated smallpox and invented vaccines and antibiotics for yellow fever and the Black Death. But war continues to plague us. That in the past century, this supposed pinnacle of enlightened modernity, war has claimed or maimed more of our children's lives than any virus or bacterium. It says something about both our immense imagination and our immense blind spots. Our species' failure to eradicate war is a failure of the imagination, a failure to imagine what it is like to be anybody else, without which there can be no empathy or compassion. Those vital molecules of harmony, the other name for which is peace. She then quotes Israeli historian, philosopher, and author Yuval Noah Harari. His words about the war that were published recently in Time magazine. He wrote, most Israelis are psychologically incapable at this moment of empathizing with the Palestinians. The mind is filled to the brim with our own pain and no space is left to even acknowledge the pain of others. Most of the people who tried to hold such a space are dead or deeply traumatized. Most Palestinians are in an analogous situation. Their minds, too, are so filled with pain, they cannot see, they cannot see our pain. But outsiders who are not themselves immersed in pain should make an effort to empathize with all suffering humans, rather than lazily seeing only part of the terrible reality. It is the job of outsiders to help maintain a space for peace. Take good care, I'm sorry, we deposit this peaceful space with you because we cannot hold it right now. Take good care of it for us so that one day, when the pain begins to heal, both Israelis and Palestinians might inhabit that space. Take good care of it for us. I wonder, is this a vocation that we can embrace? To hold a space for empathy, to hold and take care of a space for peace. It is a privilege, isn't it? To be able to hold and offer that kind of space in these days. And isn't this what we are made for? You know, when someone comes here hurting or in grief, we hold a space for them. 
We try to be a sanctuary in the best sense of the word. And this is what our world needs. It's what our world has always needed. People, when they're not so overwhelmed by hatred or pain or trauma, that they can then see another suffering and be of some use to them and to help start the healing. We need places and we need organizations that are holding these spaces where repentance and reconciliation and repair can happen. At their best, religious communities do this, are houses of hope and healing. At its worst, religion can be used for stoking those fires of division and mistrust and hatred. Poets remind us that there is a longing deep in the human heart for goodness and for peace. Prophets tell us that there will come a day when finally peace does come to reign here on earth. It's up to us to help move things forward toward that day. As we heard from Maya Angelou, we, angels and mortals, believers and non-believers, look heavenward and speak the word aloud, peace. We look at our world and speak the word aloud, aloud, peace. We look at each other and into ourselves and we say without shyness or apology or hesitation, peace, my brother, peace, my sister, peace, my soul. So today, on the eve of Christmas, I invite us and I challenge us to move beyond our blame and despair and toward some healing and some wholeness. Let it begin with small things close to home. It might just be showing some kindness at Christmas to that family member who just gets under your skin. I'm talking about this for myself just as much as I am for any of you. But I'm right, aren't I? There are people close to us that we can have trouble being gracious with. So I invite you to say to yourself, how can I bring some peace to the places that I inhabit? Can I trust that my own small efforts will have reverberations beyond what I will ever see? Lao Tzu reminds us, if there is to be peace in the world, then there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. So please have faith that your kindness and your care do make a difference in the world. And as much as you can, open yourself up to the spirit of this season which does invite us to renew our spirits. 
you know, of all the Christmas carols, only one of the greatest hits comes out of our UU tradition. But there is one. It was written by Edmund Hamilton Sears, who was a Unitarian minister back in the 19th century. And he served several congregations here in Massachusetts. And back in 1849, he wrote, it came upon the midnight clear. Some decades later, Percy Dreamer wrote something about Christmas carols, and he praised this particular one. He said, it lifted up the social message of Christmas, as other ones had not so far, that message of peace on earth, goodwill toward all. I love and I need this call of Christmas to ponder like Mary that the holy is right here, to listen for the song of the angels and to try and heed their call, to be bringers and bearers of peace, which is so needed and it always has been. But with the woes of war and strife, Edmund Sears wrote, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. But that is not the end of the story, he asserts. The time is coming when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling. And the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing. We could give back pain for pain, offense for offense. We could do our part to continue adding to the suffering of our world. But rather, can we heal and heed the call of Christmas? Can we heed the song of our better angels? That call that does abide in our hearts and our souls, that whispers, peace, my neighbor, peace, my friend. In these days, dear companions, let us be ones who give back that song of peace on earth. Let us hold a space for that spirit so that one day, all the world will be singing its blessed tune. Amen.